Well, good morning again, and uh, let me say again from Christy and Michelle how blessed they were uh, by Christy being able to come and to share with you, and uh, what an incredible word that he gave us as well, and uh, I know many of you were blessed by that, and um, they, they certainly pass on their blessings to you, and thank you for your prayers, and uh, I, I know that... Uh, uh, just one of those moments when you know that there was a, a bond made between an individual and a church, and I know that that was true there for them as well. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 38 through 41. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a team in the National Basketball Association that was almost unstoppable. Uh, The Los Angeles Lakers had two of the biggest stars at the time. They had this guy named Shaquille O'Neal and they had another guy named Kobe Bryant. And together they formed a duo that was just remarkable. They won three consecutive championships. And really the question wasn't so much would they win another one, it was how many more would they win? However, what began to happen was their egos took over. And each one wanted to be the guy. Each one wanted the credit for the championship. They wanted the credit for and the fame for making the Lakers great again. They wanted to have it all. And there became a rift between those two men that ultimately would destroy that team. Ultimately, it would lead to Shaquille O'Neal being traded and effectively ending his career. It would lead to the end of a a dynasty for that team. We see it happen all the time in sports. That egos overcome the individual and they overcome the team and there's always kind of the question of what could have happened if they would have been able to swallow their pride. But the reality is we see pride and we see ego take over all the time. We see it in the boardroom. We see it on the playground. And sometimes we even see it in the pew. The same could be said of the disciples. And as we read Mark chapter 9, 38 through 41, we do not read their finest hour. (laughs) We read a time when they had lost focus and when they had looked at themselves as greater than the mission that they had been put on. If you would, please stand with me that we may honor the reading of God's Word this morning as we look together at Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 38. John said to him, Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you 
for the great gift of the church, for the great gift of being able to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ who have been set free and now who share in the victory of the resurrection, who can stand shoulder to shoulder with us and worship with great praise and great conviction over the things that You have done in our lives. That we can speak of testimonies of things that You have done in ways that You have watched over. Of ways that You have put us through trials and yet walked with us. That we can come together and in our unity speak the Gospel greater than we ever could as individuals. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as we hear Your Word, as we read it, Father, that Your Spirit would move in our midst, that we would be reminded of the great mission that You have put us on to set the captives free. A work that we do not accomplish because of our great eloquence or because of our great motivation, but a work that we accomplish only through the power of the Holy Spirit who gives great grace. Father, we pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said, the disciples in chapter 9 are not exactly in their greatest moment. They had most certainly lost focus of what they were what Jesus was teaching them and what he was trying to help them to understand was their mission the disciples had become distracted to say the least if you look at the verses just before what we read in verse 38 through 41 you'll see them arguing about who is the greatest they wanted to know which one of them was going it was the best and you could almost hear you know peter saying well I stepped out of a boat and I walked on water. All of you chickens stayed put. And John responds, yeah, great job sinking. Real proud of you there, my friend. I'm the beloved disciple. And, and so on and so forth they go, arguing over who's the greatest, over who's going to be in charge when Jesus gets into his kingdom. And Jesus is like, you guys don't get it at all. His response to them there in verse 35, is as anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He concludes in verse 37, whoever receives a child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me, not me, but him who sent me. Receiving a child, by the way, was a lowly thing. Ch children were not part of normal society. They were considered below that. It was the adults that were honored. The, adult, the adults that were esteemed to receive a child was something that other people did. And so he says, receive children. Be humbled. Be lowly. Serve one another. But the disciples had missed it and we see them continue to miss it in verse 38. They were still looking out for themselves. As I read through this passage, it reminds me so much of a sibling who runs up to a parent and says, I saw my brother, I saw brother Johnny, and he was doing something he wasn't doing, and so I made him stop. 
I told him, no, mom, you would have been proud of me. Taking the place of the parent themselves and with all that pride and with all that they can muster to say, oh, no, I am not like that. I made them, but I made them stop. I would never do that, mom. Never mind, my hands are just as dirty as theirs. It's kind of the same attitude you kind of get here. John says, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him. I think it's very telling what he says in the next line because he was not following us. He doesn't say there because he wasn't following you. He said he wasn't following us. He wasn't part of the group. He wasn't part of our team. He, he wasn't part of what we were doing. And so we tried to put the kibosh on it. We tried to end it. These guys weren't just distracted. These guys had become more worried about themselves. They were more concerned about their own ministry, their own glory, and their own reward than the mission of reconciliation. They were no longer concerned about setting captives free from sin. They were worried about who got the credit. It was, it's us that's supposed to be setting captives free. It's us that is supposed to be casting out demons. That's our work. That's not someone else's work. We're the only ones that can do that. We're the only ones that should receive the credit for that. No one should be following this other guy. He, he shouldn't be getting a name for himself. That's, that's what us disciples are for. We're the twelve. We're the chosen ones. It's our reward. We want the credit. We want the glory. We want the reward for that. Whatever that may be, we want the crown. Jesus, of course, rebukes this. He responds to them, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will soon afterward be able to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. Jesus says, guys, remember the mission. The mission is to reconcile individuals to God. The the mission is to set captives free from sin and from spiritual oppression. Remember what what I'm here to do. If someone is doing that in my name, if someone is joining us in that, then that's good. That's not something to be stopped. That's not something to be criticized. Something to be welcomed and rejoiced over that there are other workers in this field with us. Not only that, but guys, there's the reward is there. The reward is given not because of what you do. The reward is given because of who you know. I have earned the reward for you. Jesus Christ is the one who went to the cross and who was resurrected. It was by His actions that we get to share in the victory that He has won. 
the disciples were thinking that by casting out demons that they were better than other folks. And yet Jesus says, if you hand out a cup of water, you will receive your reward. Jesus rebukes his followers, says, why would you stop someone that is clearly for us? Why would you be jealous of someone that has the same mission and is going the same direction as we are? Why are you worried about a reward that you didn't earn, but that has been given to you by grace? It's easy for us to look at those disciples and think, man, these guys, they are hard-headed, they don't get it. They're constantly making mistakes, constantly getting off focus. But as we have said many times before, that's us. That's us. Yesterday, we were teaching the kids a game. And the game was that you tag someone and then you, once you had been tagged, you linked arms with the person that was it and you formed kind of a line. And we were playing indoors because it was too wet outside to play that particular game that we were doing. And we, it was quite clear to all the adults standing in the room that once the line got big enough, the, the team that was it linked enough arms, they could stand at one wall and stand at the other and just sweep down and tag everyone. It should have taken 30 seconds for this game to be over. And it, actually, at multiple points, the adults called time out and explained to the team that was it, if you have a shoulder on one side and a shoulder on the other and sweep down, this game would be over and you would win. And yet over and over and over again, they would clump together and one person would try to go after one individual and everyone else would just follow like a snake behind. And the game lasted for 30 minutes. And the adults, more than once, literally were banging their heads against the wall because the students could not understand that this game should be over by now. One of my friends there leaned next to me and he said, and he's a pastor as well, and he leaned over and he said, I think I've seen this play out before. And I kind of laughed and I said, yeah, in our lives, right? <laughs> and he said, ooh, that's not what I meant. But it's the same thing that happens in the church. The Lord gives us a word. He explains it fully. It's not that complicated. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We have had 2,000 years to do it. And we've come up short. Certainly there's sovereignty of God in that, yes. But some of it falls on our shoulders of not listening and not following the mission as we get more concerned about our own glory. Certainly as well as I prepared for this sermon, I was convicted of this myself. This is the second time I've preached this message. The first time I preached this message was in 2019 at the Associational Yearly Gathering. And at the time, it was a message for us as an association to come together and to blend with another association for the sake of the gospel. In my mind, it was for other people. I had already been on that bandwagon. I'd already joined that cause. 
And so as I began to prepare this lesson, that was some of the same things that were on my heart. And yet, as I looked at this passage and as I began to go over this sermon again, I realized that I had fallen into some of the many same traps. That I too had lost focus. That I too had fallen prey to pride and arrogance and ego. That I too had fallen victim to that old trap that it all rests on my shoulders. And I too found myself in a place of confession. Hearing from my master, what are you doing? It's easy for any one of us to fall prey to our own ego. And there are some very clear signs of it. First, when we lose focus, we begin to get the attitude that it's myself, do it myself, versus discipleship. It's probably at this point that several of you are looking at me going, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it's easier in our minds to do it ourselves, right? It's easier just to say, I want it done a specific way. I want it to be done a specific time. I want it to be done in the way that I've envisioned it. And so we take it on and we say, I'll just do it myself. I'll cast out the demons no one else need bother with that. I'll teach that class the way that I want to teach it. I'll lead that ministry the way that I want to lead it. And yet, that is not at all the picture that we have in the Gospel. The picture that we have in the Gospel by our Lord Jesus Christ is discipleship. It's to pour into other people that they may be able to carry out the mission as well. To hold our hands wide open with the message, the mission, and the gifts and talents that we have and say it is free to all to share. To involve others in that process and to help equip them to better go out on their own. We see Jesus do this over and over and over again as He pours in to the disciples, not only these 12 men, but others, and then sends them out saying, go and, and proclaim the kingdom. But so many times when we get trapped by our own ego, we think I, it all falls on my shoulders. This whole ministry goes up and down on my shoulders. Second, we begin to create mountains out of molehills. We begin to create mountains out of molehills. These guys, these disciples saw this individual casting out demons in, in the name of Jesus Christ, and they go like on ten. Like they, their alarms are sounding, bells are ringing, and they think the world is ending. Like we tried to stop them. This is no good. We do the same thing. We begin to create mountains out of molehills. One thing doesn't go the way that we think it should have gone, and we think that whole ministry has fallen short. One thing doesn't happen in the timeline that we thought it should happen and we begin to sound the alarm bells that the whole church is failing. 
I, I don't even know how you process that. <clears throat> there are sometimes your notes fail you. But we begin to take little details and obsess over them. Oh, I sent that person to buy chips. And this is not anything with our kitchen. This hasn't happened. Please don't take it that way. I sent this person to buy chips and they spent $3.50 instead of $2. They blew our budget. How could they? Or we say, oh, we... They had a, we have a process of doing this and they did it the wrong way. Let us throw our hands in the air and rip our garments, pour ashes over our heads. We begin to lose focus on the grander picture. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't watch a budget. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have processes or at least try and try to follow them, but we must be careful of creating bigger deals than they need to be. And lastly, and maybe, maybe most importantly, or maybe most deadly is the better way to put that, we begin to see enemies everywhere. We begin to see enemies everywhere. We begin to take small things and blow them into big things, and then we begin to harbor jealousy and bitterness and we begin to proclaim a ministry is mine and anyone that tries to help or anyone that tries to do that ministry or anyone tries to give suggestions they are seen as saboteurs trying to undermine the whole concept and we get very defensive and we put up our shields and rather than inviting them in and starting that process of discipleship, we put every wall available or we say an unkind word and we push them farther away. And then we wonder why we can't find volunteers. We do this not only with inside of the church, we do this outside of the church. We hear of something fantastic happening at First Christian and we begin to think, oh, what are we going to do? First Christians baptize more people than we have this year. The world is ending. We hear of God blessing Spencer Creek. We hear of a new pastor at the Presbyterian Church who everybody loves. That used to be me, by the way. I was the young guy that was new to town. And we begin to worry and fret. Because God is maybe doing something somewhere else. We hear of Him doing great acts of revival in other countries. And rather than being excited, we ask the question, why not us? And we worry and we wring our hands. And we begin to see enemies everywhere. Rather than seeing those who proclaim a good gospel. Though they may have differences. Though we may disagree on some secondary and tertiary issues. We begin to see enemies everywhere. And it begins to impact the gospel. 
Why does this happen? Why is it so easy? Uh, Part of it is that it's our flesh. Part of it is because our enemy knows that a united church that shows the great diversity of God's creation, that shows the great diversity of His grace and His mercy to all people, a united church that proclaims one message of reconciliation with God, is unstoppable by the grace of God. And so He looks to divide us on anything He can. So what do we do now? If we know that this is such a great temptation, if we know that it so easily creeps into our lives, what do we do with it? How do we avoid it? First, we must identify the right enemy. We must identify the right enemy. Ephesians 6, 10-13 Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil, having done all to stand firm. We must identify the right enemy. It is not your brother and sister. Whether it be in the pew in front of you or behind you. It is not your brother and sister even in another denomination that preaches a good gospel. They are not the enemy. It is not. It is not someone that disagrees with you politically. It is not an individual that lives a different lifestyle than you. We have a far greater enemy that seeks to destroy all. That seeks to keep individuals in, under the impression of sin that they may share in his same ending. That looks to undermine in any way possible the glory of God. We must identify who He is and that He is at work around us. And we must prepare appropriately to take on the armor of God, to know the Word of God. Second, we must be on mission. If we know the enemy, then we know that there is a fight before us. That we have been, as Christy shared with us last week, that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation that individuals can know that men and women boys and girls can know peace with God to know grace and to grow no mercy to know the love of Christ and that we have the great responsibility and the great opportunity by the grace given to us to share that with them and as Christy put it so well last week what are we doing with that grace Not just the spiritual graces we've been given, but the physical grace that we've been given. That we would set our eyes on the same prize. And that we would glory in the ministry of others as well. That we would be quick to run to their aid. Thirdly, that we would be quick to forgive. 
so often, so often it's the, the little things that we talked about earlier. It's the making mountains out of molehills. And we have these little offenses that begin to fester in our hearts and they grow into something cancerous that breaks us apart, breaks the unity apart, breaks fellowship apart. Jesus Christ has called us to forgive and to be quick about it. To not give foothold to those thoughts of jealousy or bitterness, but rather to allow those things to be forgiven so that we may focus on the mission that we've been given, that we may focus on rejoicing and fellowship and worship that we have in the family of God. One of the great tragedies of the time that we live in is that we have stopped giving people the benefit of the doubt. That in everyone that disagrees with us, we assume that their motives are evil and harmful. That in anyone that might think a different way than us, that there is something monstrous behind their intent. Or even that someone that makes a general mistake, but they did it on purpose. Like a little child whose brother or sister, not that this ever happened in my life, but like a little child whose brother or sister does something accidentally and one gets injured and the immediate cry is, you did that on purpose. So too, we as adults, sometimes things happen and people hurt our feelings or they harm us in some way and they are sometimes legitimate grievances, but we assume that every time it was on purpose rather than saying, I forgive you, let's move on. We are called to ministries of reconciliation. We have been offered more forgiveness for our sins than we ever have a right to understand even. Let us in the same way Forgive others. And let us lastly, pray for the ministry of others. Maybe one of the most powerful things that we can do to better understand our brothers and sisters in Christ, to better rightfully identify the correct enemy, to rightly be on mission for Christ, is to pray for the ministry of others. That God would bless the work of their hands for the sake of the Gospel. When is the last time? When's the last time that you prayed for First Christian? That God's name would be glorified in that sanctuary this morning through their worship and through the Word of God. When is the last time you prayed for Bob Hain? That this morning, that God would steady His hands and His heart, that He may proclaim the truth of God's Word. When's the last time that you prayed for a mission that wasn't the IMB or North American Mission Board, that they would have great success in taking the Word of God to people that have not heard it. I promise you that if you will pray for those that you have 
that are doing the ministry, that if you will pray for those who do those things in the name of Jesus Christ, who preach a true and right gospel, that your heart will change towards them. That God will humble your heart. And that you will be able one day to rejoice with them. That He will mend those relationships and that, Lord willing, that, he will, that we, they will be able to rejoice with us if He so desires to bless us and to use us for the kingdom and for His glory. Do not stop Him. For one who does a mighty work in My name will be able soon afterward to will not be able soon afterward to speak evil of me for the one who is not against us is for us for truly i say to you whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong in Christ will by no means lose his reward this morning as we have a time of response as we ponder and meditate upon the word of god Who are you pouring into? Who are you discipling? What ministries are you praying for? How do you see other churches and other brothers and sisters in those churches? Do we understand who is rightly our enemy and do we understand the mission that we've been given? Maybe you're like me this week and you need to confess, it's been all about me. It's all about what I do, whether a ministry goes or not, and I need to confess that that is false. That is sin. Maybe this morning you need to just offer forgiveness to refocus. Maybe this morning, as we talk about this act of reconciliation and the love of Christ, you... You don't have that in your life. You've never had that in your life. And this morning you would say, I want it. The invitation of the Word of God is if you will believe in Him and believe in the risen Savior, that you will know life and that you will know it abundantly. That you will know grace and forgiveness. And that you will find in Him all that you have been looking for. This morning, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up and we're just going to have a time of response. Let me pray as they do that. Father, we come before you. Father, this is a hard message. Lord, we, we are as human beings prideful. We are as human beings full of ego. And we desire to be the star. And sometimes in doing so, Lord, we alienate other people rather than drawing them in. Sometimes we make ministry all about us and we think that the church goes up and down on our shoulders rather than on You. Sometimes we begin to see enemies where there are none. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would be full of forgiveness 
full of the grace and mercy that You have so wonderfully showed to us. Lord, that You would change our hearts, that we would begin to look around us to see people the way that You see them. Lord, that we would desire to complete this great task that You have called us to do, not by our own might, but by Your strength. That You may receive all the honor and the glory. Father, we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.